You are now listening to My Faithway Podcast. You can now find us on every major platform. And don't forget to visit our Facebook page with live services every Sunday at 10 a.m. Central Time. If you want to become a partner or simply make a one-time donation, please text the word FAITHWAY to 77977. Click send and you will receive a link for further instruction. Feel free to comment on our Facebook Live stream services or visit our page at myfaithway.org. Now let's experience life in a new way, the Faithway. Well, good morning again, church. It's amazing and beautiful to see all your wonderful faces here in church. If you have joined us online, we want to welcome you to our online live stream. And just let us know anywhere in the chat where you're tuning in from so that someone can reach out to you and engage in conversation because it is a live person who is behind the computer. It is not voice activated or computer automated or anything. There is a live person who is back there ready to respond with you. If this is your first time joining us here at Faithway Church, we'd like to get to know you better and and minister to you and your family's needs in a better way. So if you would just kindly take some time and stop at the Welcome Center on your way out. We have a friendly, friendly team members working in there. And we just want to exchange some information with you. Just fill out, fill out a small card and you get to walk out of here with a free gift. So free gifts are awesome. I think everybody likes something that's free. So we have a couple of announcements today. This is our special service with our own, very own Dr. Burke. So Pastor Box will be doing the special introductions for him. But a couple of things that we have coming up in the agenda, if you are keeping up with our social media pages, we have most of these announcements and flyers already posted there. But on the 21st, I did forget to um, make this announcement last Sunday. So I tried to send out messages to almost everyone that I had in my contacts. So I apologize ahead of time for the bombardment of all the group messages. We know that they can get petty and annoying. But um, this is all for the glory of God. The 21st. On Tuesday, it is a Tuesday, we will be having a toy giveaway for our children in our community and our surrounding communities. Our goal is to receive about 200 gifts, and this comes from us, church. This is our donations that we come and bring in. You can either bring in a monetary donation or you can actually bring in your toys unwrapped. Um, They're for boys and girls from the ages of um, infants all the way up to 11. Um, We will be setting up on Tuesday the 21st outside in our front parking lot, and we're going to have a drive-through. So children, if you are uh, tuning in online, children must be present parents. Um, We will just... You just line up, come in through the, uh, the, the U that we have in the parking lot, and we will go and take a, a gift to bless your little ones with. So, church, we are currently at 100 gifts. Our goal was 200, but I think we can surpass that. So if we get together, we can do that. So you can bring your gifts at any time here to any of the services, or you can go ahead and donate and just send me a message after service or get with a welcome team member, and they can give you more information. We also have... Um, On the 31st, you might want to mark your calendars. It is not a Sunday. Um, I think it might be a Friday, if I'm not mistaken. But the 31st will be our New Year's Eve service, and that will be with Terry Mai. So this is a service that you might want to attend. It usually starts at 7 p.m., and we'll have the flyer up and ready to go then. So that is the 31st, our New Year's Eve service. Also, a quick announcement, worship meeting. We will have a meeting today after service. Um, So just stick around for a couple of minutes. Also, we have... um, Our ladies, ministry has been doing a couple of fundraisers to gather their funds to go to Cuba. These ladies are awesome. These ladies 
take the word, the gospel, and lots of blessings with them, and they go minister to children in Cuba. Last meeting, um, they surpassed their goal. I think they wanted to meet with 200 kids, and they ended up meeting 500 students. So that was amazing. The word was ministered to them. Um, they received it, and a lot of them still have um, contact with some of these ladies. So these ladies played a very integral and awesome part in their lives. Um, and this year, they plan on making a trip again. So if you see any fundraisers that we are heading here um, on behalf of the Faith Away Ladies Ministry, I encourage you to please plant a seed and join in because this is a work of God. This is not the work of man. This is a work of God, and we're ministering and taking. Go ye and deliver the gospel, the good news. So that's what they are doing exactly. So they right now have... Um, a cookie fundraiser going on. They're not taking any more orders because we've already maxed out, but they are still taking in the donations. So church, this is for you. If you want to participate in this, please bring some baked cookies. What kind? Any kind. We're not picky. Bake them um, and then drop them off. And you can get with any of the members from the ladies ministry and they'll give you some information on where to get uh, to deliver them. We will be starting the deliveries the 17th, 18th, and 19th, correct? Yes, so if you can, please have your baked cookies into the ladies' ministry by the 16th. So at this time, children, you guys are dismissed. Let's give them a round of applause as they get up and go, all these beautiful little ones. We have nursery here in the hallway foyer. Jam Club is right next door for our preschoolers. Super Kids right outside in the Super Kids building. And youth, you guys will be gathering today at 530 in the youth building. So bring your friends, bring your cousins, bring your family, bring someone with you. So at this time, let's go ahead and open up our hearts and let's get ready to receive the word and experience life in a new way, the faith. Well, good morning, everyone. That church looks good. Y'all showed up. Praise God. Well, we're glad you're here and glad that you made the time and, you know, I encouraged you last week to be here, so thank you for being here. There's some things I wanted to share, but I'm, I think I'm going to, I was kind of meditating, I wanted to open that up right now, or I'll wait till next week, so I think I'm going to wait till next week, because I'm really looking forward to what Dr. Burke's going to bring, but before I introduce him, I just want to, as I always do, some of you are newer to the church, some of you don't know our history, but Dennis and I, you know, we met through an acquaintance that's in heaven today, um, Bear Morgan, and I believe we, I met you like, well, the first meeting was, I think, 99, right? 98, 99, Well, one of those, I think, yeah, but I mean, it's, you know, our connection, Bear said, well, you know, I, I know Dennis, and I always respect him, I didn't know him, you know, I knew about his ministry and so forth, and, and anyhow, I'll take you guys along the story, we met, you know, he went down to Mexico with us, we had a good meeting, and I figured, you know, it might, might just be one of those, you bring a preacher down, but now it developed into something really amazing, and um, even though we're, we don't see each other, a lot, but that's what a real relationship is. You know, a relationship, you might not see each other for a year, and you just pick up right where you left off, right? And that's how it's been with him. And we've had some fun adventures. I'm always on the back end of the fun, of the adventures, but um, a few motorcycle trips. He tried to freeze me off my motorcycle, because he has a heated Harley with all, I just had the one that had nothing. But that was fun. And then, um, and this is, what, this is where I'm going with Dennis. This is why I love this guy, because in, in, in ministry, for most of you, just like the world, ministry doesn't change. You, you hang around with professional ministers, and what a professional minister does, he, he creates a professional appearance, which I can't stand. In other words, phony. And that's one thing that this man is not. And that's why we're still connected. And just on the side note, this is how you know he's real. Uh, I'm, I'm going to walk over here. 
No, no, it's not a bad thing. No, it's, um, we have a lot of good stories, a lot of Mexico stories and a lot of fun stories. But a couple years ago, right before COVID, he says, hey, there's this concert. And I've been wanting to go this forever. I mean, not that any of you care except Al will be the only one that cares in this building, maybe Marcos. But um, we were able to go see um, something very iconic for me, which is a Crossroads Guitar Festival in Dallas, which none of you could care less. But highlighting was Eric Clapton. Here's where I'm going with all this. Preachers know how to have fun without sinning. So get all your religion out of it. And we saw Eric and Jeff and, oh, man, it was just five hours of amazing guitar playing. And I did it with this guy here. And that, I was telling my grandson, yes, I said, those, those are the memorable memories, you know, memories that are memorable forever. So, Dennis, thank you for all your years of friendship. Come on down. It's all yours. He's not a guest. He's family. Come on, give him a stand up and give him a God bless you, Dr. Dennis Burke. Be seated. Good morning. We do have memories. Praise the Lord. Thank God we do. We're believers around here. I, I love coming to this church. I love your pastors. But here's what we found out, all of us. We found out that Jesus has plans for us that continue to unfold and unwrap. And we want to walk in those plans as clearly and as powerfully as we possibly can. Isn't that true for you? That's what a Christian really is hungry for. A Christian is hungry to discover what God wants and then to find out how to live inside of what God wants. We want the best that God has for us, but we also want to give the best that we have to walk with Him. What I found out a long time ago when I first made Jesus Lord of my life, it was 1971, and I've shared a lot of my story here over the years, but Vic and I both gave our hearts to the Lord at, in uh, 1971. We didn't know each other when we first really started walking with the Lord. We came to meet in about three or four months after we'd gotten saved. We both lived in California. We both went to the same high school. We didn't know each other in high school. It was a big school. But uh, we both were lost as you could get prior to knowing Jesus, man. We were headed in a destructive, wrong direction. But that's what sin does, isn't it? It takes you places you don't want to go and uh, teaches you things you don't really want to know. But in 1971, we gave our heart to the Lord. We met at church, actually, which means church is important to me. For a lot of reasons, and that's one of them. But from those first days of coming to know the Lord, I realized this, that God had something in His mind for me that I would not have thought of myself. He wanted to do something in my life and with my life that I would not have imagined or even dreamed could happen. Come to find out He wanted me to be healed. He wanted me to be whole. He wanted me to be... Uh, in confident fellowship with him. He wanted things for me that I didn't know you could ever have as a Christian. I didn't really know what it meant to be a Christian. Not really. Even though I had gone to church some prior to that, I didn't know what it really meant to be a Christian. The more you discover what Christianity really is all about, it, it stretches you into places you didn't know God wanted to take you. It's an adventure of faith, walking with God is. Now, I've found, 
as Pastor Kelvin mentioned, you know, we've had some adventures. And while he did freeze out on one of them, he picked the route, man. It was his, it was his road. I was following him the whole way. You don't care about that. But anyway, we've had some great times. But uh, we've had some adventures. But our greatest adventures have not been on motorcycles. Our greatest adventures have been those times in the Spirit of God when God had taken us into places like Puebla and various times and places to minister the Word and see the hand of God move and change people's lives. Some of our greatest experience have been right here in this building where God has done things in people's lives that has been revolutionary. But all that just to say this, that God has always had a plan, but those plans will stretch you and take you into places that you don't know how you would ever get to. One of the greatest plans, of course, we're at this time of year where we're celebrating the birth of Jesus. And just prior to that, a few months ahead, an angel of the Lord Gabriel came and appeared to Mary, young lady that God had an amazing plan for. And he, this angel described some things that he wanted, that God wanted for Mary that were mind-boggling and beyond reason, a plan that nobody would have dreamt up, a plan that you couldn't bring about on your own. Mary had no ability to bring it about on her own. But God wanted to do it nonetheless. And God would be responsible for how this thing would start and how it would finish as long as he had someone like Mary to yield and cooperate and say, be it unto me, however you said it. But this is what I wanted to point out to you right at the outset here a statement that this angel made to Mary. Part of what he had said to describe, and we're familiar with this statement in Luke one thirty-seven. he said, For with God nothing will be impossible. Let's say that together. With God nothing shall be impossible. With God nothing will be impossible. With God, not without God, not on your own, beside God. With God, nothing will be impossible. And the direction of that is nothing will be impossible that God has said to you. That doesn't mean that nothing is impossible that God hasn't said. There's a lot of things people want to believe and try to believe that God really hasn't said. They want to believe some things will happen and that would be great and wonderful, but God hasn't really said that that's what he would do. You know, it'd be wonderful if you could, say, for example, own all of the oil wells in Texas. Okay, that doesn't spark excitement in you, but that idea spiked is an exciting idea to me other than the fact that God never said that that's what would be possible to you. So he's not saying that that is possible, but it's anything with God. Let me point something out to you in this statement. This, this Greek word, you know the scripture is 
is written in the Greek language, the New Testament is. The word used here for nothing or no thing is also a compound word in the original language of the Greek uh, New Testament. That it also means no rhema from God. No rhema. That's what the word nothing means. Rhema is a spoken word of God. And so the angel has said there is no spoken word from God that would be impossible. Anything God has said, anything God has declared, He says it because He wants to bring it to pass. And the word impossible itself has this inside of the words used. No word from God would be impossible or without the power to bring itself to pass. Anything God says has inside of it the power to fulfill itself. But here's the key thing. God saying it alone doesn't guarantee it's going to be possible for you until you respond to God the way that Mary responded to God. Be it to me according to what you've said. We receive by faith what God has said. People are waiting for God to do everything whether they receive it or not. But faith is what activates what God has said in a person's life. Is that true? So it's no mystery why some Christians, many Christians, they love Jesus with all their heart, but very little is actually taking place in their life of real victories. They don't really have any real victories. They, they know Jesus. They know heaven is their home, but they can't really point to some real victories they've had where God showed up and moved in their life. And I don't say that in order to condemn somebody or shame them, but I just want you to realize that God is not to blame for this. Now we know that God came to Mary, and I hesitate to mention this, but just for the sake of, of the thought here, he may have actually come to someone before Mary. I don't think it's I don't think that's necessarily the idea behind what we need to ponder, but what I want you to recognize is somebody else could have had the assignment also. They just didn't receive it. They just didn't take it. They questioned it, but didn't receive it. Now, Mary had questions. How can that happen? This is how it can happen. With God, nothing shall be impossible. That's all the answer she needed. Exactly. With God, this is totally possible. And so be it to me according to what you have said. That is our example for faith. God says it. We embrace it and believe it. And that settles it. God said it. You know, in John 1, in fact, it's already been brought up during our worship time. That was a really good time of worship today. Praise the Lord. That would have been a good place for anybody else to say amen, but that's, that's all right. It's all right. I'm on my own today. 
But in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the Word, the Logos of God, the, the Word of God. Jesus is the Word made flesh. But by the time you get to chapter 6 in the Gospel of John, Jesus said, the words I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. So the Word in the Logos of God made flesh now speaks a word and what he says, Rhema, has become alive for anyone that receives it. Said out loud, with God, nothing, no spoken word is without power. But it's not just power on the outside of us. It is that we've received it. And that's where the power is ignited. We want to receive what God has placed in us. The book of James chapter 1 tells us that when we receive the word, it is implanted in us. But that implanted word is what conceives and creates life. It's like planting a seed in the soil. When we receive the word, we make it our own, a promise from God. God said, and this is an easy example to, to use, God said, by the stripes of Jesus, you have been healed. We receive that and plant that in the soil of our soul so that we can say like Mary did, be it unto me according to that word. That it is to me just what God has said in His Word, but now it has been spoken. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the what? The Word, but it is the rhema, spoken Word. That's where the Spirit and life comes alive. So it's not only what we read in Scripture, but it's what we receive from Scripture that becomes a spoken Word to us, and then becomes a spoken word from us. We put our words to it. We say what God says. Oh, I'm glad you're excited about this. This stuff flips my switch, man. <laughs> Glory to God. So when the word is spoken, it releases a presence of God that comes with power. You know, here's what we know. We know the presence of God is everywhere. You can't get away from the presence. You can be anywhere on this planet and you are in the presence of God because he's like everywhere. You can't get away. Which is a comforting thought unless you're running from him. Then, then it's not comforting at all. You can't get away. But anywhere we are, any place we go, we're in the presence of God. But you know like I do that the presence of God doesn't always seem to be exactly the same in some settings, as it is in others. You know, like there's more likely a move of the Spirit of God in the setting we're in right now than there is down at the bar. And of course, nobody's there right now except the real hardcore guys. <laughs> but you get what I mean. I mean, there's not a whole lot of the move of the Spirit of God happening in the bar. How many of you know that's true? Yeah, how do you know? Okay, we don't even have to go there. 
We just know. God moves where he's wanted. And when I say moves, it, it's not that he's only present, but he's present with an action. It's not just that he's in the room. He's in the room for action. He's in the room right now, but he's not just in the room. There's some churches he's just in the room. And you know he is, and that's, that's a wonderful thing. We're in the presence of God, but you can be in the presence of God driving in your car. You are in the presence of God driving in your car. Now, some of you, if you're like me, you sing to the Lord, you talk to the Lord, you take time in the car and just have yourself a party. You and God. You got to watch that, though. Because that can tend, I found from personal experience, that can tend to add to your speed. (laughs) And something weird happens with the presence of God being so thick in the car the moment those color lights are flashing in your rearview mirror, that anointing seems to lift. <laughs> All right, you look really innocent right now, but I know from personal experience that that's the truth. And something about the explanation for the speeding doesn't seem to always carry a lot of weight with uh, the government officials that are talking to you right then. But you wouldn't know that. There's an action that God wants to bring into every one of our lives. More than one. But He wants to fulfill His Word. He wants to explode in us with healing, with joy, with the peace, with what this season really is all about. It's really not intended to just be a season. It's intended to be a life that we live, that it's not only about the birth of Jesus, it's about the birth of the Word of God coming into flesh then, but God's Word coming into our flesh now. That we also are the Word of God. Listen to this. We are the Word of God, sown or seeded by the incorruptible Word of God so that we become the Word in the flesh ourselves. That's shocking to some people, but that is, that is how God designed it, man. He's always been in the business of reestablishing or recreating the sons and daughters of God where the body of Christ is no longer just one person, Jesus, but now the body of the anointing of God is every believer that has made Jesus the Lord of their life. I saw something in that experience with the Holy Spirit overshadowing Mary. That same word is used just a few times in Scripture where, again, in the Gospel of Matthew, I think it is, where the Mount of Transfiguration experience is taking place, that same word is used that the Holy Spirit or the cloud of the glory of God, basically, the cloud overshadowed that mountaintop. Something happened when there was an overshadowing of the presence of God. With Mary, the word was conceived. 
with Jesus on the Mount of Transfiguration, the glory of God was revealed. The same overshadowing was taking place. The same Spirit of God, in one instance, it is conceiving something that God is in the process of bringing about. And in the other, that same overshadowing of the same Spirit of God is revealing that there is power to be had right now on this earth flowing out of a person, and in that case it was Jesus himself. This is all tall talk, I know. these, These are the kind of things that excite a guy like me. But we have to come down to the the war zone that we're in in dealing with the issues of what God wants to do and what has been put in place to prevent it. You know, like I do, there's a clash going on. It's a war. We've been in it all of our lives and not known it a lot of times, not realized the war that we're in, but it is the war between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness There's only two kingdoms, there's not three, there's not more, there's just two. It's the kingdom of God against anything Satan has designed against humanity. And here's what we know for a fact. Satan's kingdom is no match for the kingdom of God. There's nothing the devil has that is any match for the power of God. And yet we have people that are being railroaded by the kingdom of darkness in their life, dominated in some cases by evil spirits, by demons, by all kinds of strategies of the devil, when Jesus has come to reveal power that would exit or cause all of that darkness out of the situation, but people haven't known it. That's why there's churches like this that exist, that are not just for religious purposes. This is not just a religious experience that goes on around here. This is a revelation of the presence of God. This is why we sing the songs that we sing. It's not just to take up time so people can have time to get here late. Now, I I realize some people plan it that way. Well, you know, they're going to sing for 30 minutes. We've got another 30 minutes to get there. This is why I face forward so I don't see how many of you are slipping in at the last possible minute because I don't want to know. I don't care when you get here. But there's something that can happen during a time of worship like we had this morning where there's a shift that goes on in our soul and in our head where we get ourselves dialed in to the real presence of God that has been available all week long at any moment at any time. And yet we dial in when we come into this together. You don't have to wait to be together. You can, you can dial in anytime you choose. But oftentimes people wait till Sunday morning late. And then they slip in late even at that. <laughs> come on, I'm not thinking of anybody in particular in this room. But you know what's been said. I think it was Bill Bozanski used to say this all the time. If you throw a rock into a pack of wolves, the one that yelps is the one that got hit. It's not deep, but it is true. And I'm not sure how it applies to everything, but I think it applies to somebody. Doesn't matter. Yep. (laughs) 
What I want you to recognize is there's something that God has planted on the inside of you that is part of His plan. And He wants to bring it about. He wants to bring about the joy of your salvation, the peace that He wants for your mind, but also the plan for your household, your family, and your future. He's planted these things on the inside, and yet there's a war to steal it from every one of us. And that's really the crux of what God really has focused my attention on for this morning, the war. You know, when Jesus came up out of the waters of baptism, when he was baptized by John, the Holy Spirit came upon him. It was like a dove. I'm not sure he looked like a dove, but it was like a dove was the point that landed on Jesus. And it could be seen by, by John the Baptist. When Jesus came up out of those waters and the Holy Spirit was upon him, he immediately left that place and went off into a wilderness time. Forty days he spent out in the wilderness fasting and praying. And it was during that time that he was confronted. And we have the most detail of the confrontation between him and Satan. That wasn't the only time it would have happened, but it's the time we have a great deal of detail. And Satan came and tempted Jesus. Now, some people have had the idea that, well, these weren't real temptations. Jesus, you know, this is Jesus. No, they were real temptations. He could, have, he could have yielded and failed based on these temptations. He didn't, thank God. All would have been lost. But it was a crucial time and a crucial moment over the plan that God had. And the reason I'm bringing it up is because there are things that God has said in His Word that you have deposited on the inside of you. But there is a war going on to keep you from walking in it. And you are confronted in a similar way, not as obvious usually as the way Jesus was confronted by the devil. But you're being confronted regularly to compromise in order to stop any plan that God has of showing himself big and strong through your life. It's an ongoing battle. Satan came to Jesus and tempted him. And he actually used, in, in every case, he used a scriptural concept that was twisted. If you are the Son of God, do this. And then at times, Satan would even quote scriptures to Jesus. The Word of God in the flesh. But he used it in order to twist the truth and gain access if possible. We have to be aware of some of the tactics that we're dealing with. We're dealing with devils and demons all the time. (laughs) You don't have to freak out about that, that you're surrounded by demons. Oh my God, I'm seeing them everywhere. No. (laughs) But there's a reality to the spiritual world that we can't be oblivious to. And pretend is not really going on. It is going on. Because of the conflict and because of the war that's taking place, you and me as believers have to wake up to how we can stand in authority and deal with the strategies that an enemy has launched against us. That's not something to get freaked out about and fearful over. But it is something that you must 
activate in your own life so that you're not oblivious to the tactics of your enemy. One of the greatest deceptions that's gone on, and there's a number of them worldwide, but one of the great deceptions in some segments of, of Christian re- religious thinking is that the devil doesn't even exist. But to believe that is to believe that the scripture is completely off and wrong anyway because Jesus talked about him. Your awareness of him and your ability to confront and shut down any strategy against you is demonstrated in what Jesus did when he was confronted by the devil himself. Every time that Satan came at him, those three different occasions or three different times during those 40 days, he tempted him with something different. And each time Jesus began his resistance the same way. Remember what it is? It is written. He didn't have to come up with anything else. He didn't draw on anything, and he could have. He just came up with the written word of God that shut down what Satan was saying. This is why you have to be a person of the word. This is why you have to be somebody that's not playing like you can just bump along as a Christian. Everything's going to be all right because God is love and God loves me. Well, all that's true. I I understand that God is love and God loves every one of us, but this is no game where God does for us what we have responsibility to do ourselves. Now I realize the word responsibility is not an exciting word to a lot of people. But it's actually responsibility that helps define what maturity is really all about. Maturing and growing in God is actually all about embracing responsibility and knowing what is our responsibility and what is not our responsibility. For example, it is our responsibility to walk in faith and love. It is not our responsibility to try to force somebody else to walk in faith and love. All right, well, that didn't go over well. Personal responsibility. You see, this is, the, this is even the strategy that's coming out in these days in a national level and on, on a national conversation. Is it most important that we are encouraging people to develop their character in order to deal with personal issues in their life. This is what the founding fathers of the United States believed, that every person had a personal responsibility to develop character and that the government that they had designed in those documents that were written to launch the United States, they described and discussed it later to say that only those who would take on that responsibility of personal character would be able to be governed with this kind of government. Some people have had the idea, many people, this is nothing new, but it's gained traction that instead of designed focus on personal character and responsibility, 
What we need to be focused on is the national issues that need to be changed, the faults within the government and the nation itself, and discuss and rally about things that are big issues outside of ourselves, but that are problems in, a, in the country. And if we can just point out enough problems in the country, then we can see some change come in this nation. Change is not really going to come, not the kind of change people are really longing for. It doesn't come by pointing out the problems in the nation. It really comes, the change comes by focusing on the personal one-at-a-time, person-by-person character issues. We change society one person at a time. When it comes to the kingdom of God, it is not our duty for every person to be changed because I say you should the way I say you should. It is that we are changed in ourselves and we are sharing any change that we have where a person, one person at a time, is being changed. Well, I don't want to stick with politics, but I do want you to see something. book of Proverbs gives us some keys as to how we're going to be able to guard and pay attention to what's going on around us and protect our plan that God has for us and walk it out and see it come to pass. Well, before I go to Proverbs, let me point out this same idea of what happened with Jesus. I don't want to jump over this too quick. The kind of pressure that Satan was bringing on Jesus, that he wasn't the first to be pressured this way, but we have details of how that went. David, King David, is another example. Before he was king, he was really confronted by a series of things as a young man that really would have, really would have put him out of the running to really be used by God if he had allowed it to. You remember King David's history? When the prophet Samuel came to his household when David was just a young man, his father's name was Jesse. And the prophet Samuel came to Jesse's house because God had told Samuel to go anoint a man in Jesse's house to be the king of Israel to replace Saul who was failing. Samuel went to Jesse's house, told Jesse what he was there to do, called for all the sons of Jesse to come and be lined up, and Samuel was going to anoint one of them as king. Jesse called for his sons to line up, and Samuel went one by one. And each time he stood before one of these sons that Jesse had brought up, the Holy Spirit did not give Samuel the freedom to know that this was the one to anoint. That's not him. Nope, that's not him. Nope, that's not him. And he went right down the line and went through everybody that had lined up. And Samuel looked to Jesse and said, are there no more sons? <laughs> We've run out of options here. Here's why you, you, you can benefit from this, because Jesse had not considered the one other boy 
David who was out tending sheep, but he, he was out of the running in his own father's mind. There's no way that God would have picked David, little David, little for whatever reason, I don't think so, David. So there's some major dysfunction going on in this house. You know, a lot of people are raised without mom or dad's blessing or encouragement or all the things that really can nurture a kid. Well, David was raised with none of that nurturing apparently either. But instead of using it as an excuse, he used it as something to build on and became the greatest king other than Jesus that ever ever led Israel. And when he did come, finally, the prophet wisely said, nobody is going to even sit down until that other boy comes and stands before me. So they had to hurry up and find him out with the flock and wherever he was and bring him before the prophet. And the prophet said, this is the one. It was sometime later when Israel was being threatened by Goliath. You remember the story. The Philistines are all lined up. Goliath came out onto the the battlefield between the Philistines and the Israelites. Israelites are all terrified. King Saul himself, still king at this point, he is at the back of as far away from the battle zone as possible because Goliath was really after Saul. Saul was bigger than anybody else in Israel, taller, and that's the one that Goliath came out after as a matter of battle. But you know what happened? David had come out just to courier some food to his brothers. He wasn't on the battlefield. He was too young to be on the battlefield. But he got out there to bring some food. And when he did, his brothers accused him of all kinds of wrong thinking. What have you come for? You've come out just to see the battle. Which begs the question and comment, what battle? All of the Israelites were running from the battle or staying away from it the best they could. There was no battle. But his brothers shamed him. There just wasn't a good household environment. This was a dysfunctional house. Not the first, not the last. But David didn't have ideal circumstances. But David had a different mindset. He had already gotten to know God. He got to know the power of God before he was anointed by Saul. He even said it when he got out there on the battlefield with Goliath. He said, man, I've had the anointing on me to deal with a lion, to deal with a bear that came out against the flock, and I dealt with it with the power of God. He smote the lion and bear and knocked him down, knocked him out. I don't know if you've ever seen some of this wild kingdom stuff, but bears and lions are pretty threatening. David dealt with it by the power of God. So he understood some things about God already. When he got out there with Goliath, he knew exactly what needed to happen. Somebody needed to take the power of the covenant that Israel, every Israelite had, take the power that everyone had access to and take that demonized Goliath out. 
And David was the only one that had that in his head at all. Nobody else in Israel had it. So David did exactly that. We know the story. He went at him with the covenant of God in his mouth. See, when the war is on, it is written, is the power source that you already have access to. But if you're not hiding the word in your heart like David talked about at one stage, we hide the word in our heart or we embrace it, we meditate on it, we lay hold on it, we guard it so that in a time of crisis or even in a time of confrontation with any strategy of the devil, we have that it is written in our mouth. Releases power. So now to Proverbs chapter 4. Let me give you a little refresher on this. I'm going to read this out of the Passion Translation. Beginning in verse 21, he said, Fill your thoughts with my words. That's about as clear as you can get. You've got to ask yourself, what's your head filled with? You filled with nonsense? You filled with fear? You filled with anger issues? You, what, what's in your head? Here's what he tells us to do. He said, fill your thoughts with my words. But it goes on, he said, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate into your spirit. Until they penetrate into your innermost being and influence that inner dialogue that you have all the time. Fill your head your thoughts, your mind, with Scripture. Not just so you can quote a Scripture out of memory, which there's nothing wrong with that. That's a good idea. But so that when confrontation comes or when an idea contrary to God comes, you have the it is written to deal with it. So he said, fill your thoughts with my words until they penetrate your spirit. Then, now this is still the Passion Translation, then you will unwrap, or I like to say discover, my words. They will impart true life and radiant health or medicine into, our, into the very core of our being. This is how you unlock the resource and the power that's in God's word. This is how you sow it as a seed into your own soul. This is how you receive the word spoken so that it is not without power, but it is with power in your life. Every word has the power, just like every seed that can be sown in the soil of the ground has the ability to grow. But it has to be put in the soil. It has to be nurtured. You still doing okay? Is this too familiar for you? Verse 23 goes on and says this. So above all, everybody say above all. Above all, above all guard the affections of your heart. For they affect all that you are. Pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. That's where there flows the wellspring of life. 
Pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Pay attention to what's going in. You know, there's some guys, they would never put a cheap grade oil in their, in their truck or their automobile, ever. I mean, they pay attention. They keep the oil clean. They, have, they change it every few thousand miles just like you ought to, unless you're using synthetic and then it goes on longer. But there are guys, they would never put the wrong oil. They're convinced of their brand. You know how it is. This is the only brand for me. This is what goes in my vehicle, and that's it. Anybody like that here at all? Anybody at all? One honest person in the back. Nobody else. Well, you guys don't care. All right, well, let me, let me back up. There are people that will only put a certain kind of oil in their vehicle. They'll pay more attention to what goes into their car than what goes into their head. They give more thought to planning purposes, drive miles for various things in order to take care of stuff just a certain way. They'd, they wouldn't think of allowing their vehicle one thing or another, but they give no attention to what goes into their head. He tells us what to do. Fill your thoughts. So let me go into another part of this. You still with me? Can you take just a little bit more? All right, well, that was enough enthusiasm for me to continue. The psalmist says this in Psalm 77. Now, this is interesting because of the thinking that these questions I'm about to read really reveal the kind of mindset. In Psalm 77, verse 7, the question is asked, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will He be favorable no more? Has His mercy ceased forever? Has His promise failed forevermore? Has God forgotten to be gracious? Has He in anger shut up His tender mercies? He goes on and says, This is my anguish. These These six questions pretty well summarize just about every kind of unbelief that you can come up with about what God has done or who God is or what He has said. Those are the kind of questions all of us deal with, and this psalmist summarizes it because his thoughts were causing him anguish over any of these things possibly being true. Has God forgotten us? Now, here's what we know. God doesn't forget. We know that God does not cast us off. But that's part of the question. Am I cast off? Have I gone too far? Have I done too much? Have I taken the wrong path? Have I made too many wrong decisions? Have I failed in too many ways? It goes on and on. These are the questions that this psalmist addresses. And then here's how he responds to it. And here's the answer to it. But, everybody say but. But. It's important to realize that everything before the but changes and is revealed and everything comes after the but. But I will remember, say remember. remember. I will remember 
the years of the right hand of the Most High. Verse 11, I will remember the works of the Lord. Surely I will remember your wonders of old. Notice what he's doing first. He is putting his mind on what he knows God has done. It's another reason we read Scripture. You have Scripture after Scripture, person after person, demonstrating God's greatness in a variety of ways. He said, I will remember the works of God. This is what I call selective memory. He chooses to remember. And in choosing to remember, there are also things we choose to not remember. By choice. There are some things that I am just not going to waste my time reviewing again how bad it was, how bad it got, what they said, who they are, how they violated me. Yang, 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 yang. And what does it all do? It just ticks me off all over again. Yeah, but, Dennis, you don't know what they did to me. You're right, I don't. And I don't mean to sound as cruel as this will sound, but frankly, I don't even care. And the reason I don't care is because at this point, you don't need to care either. Yeah, but I just can't get over it. Well, that's true. That's right. You're exactly right. You can't. Not like you're thinking. No, we learn how to deal with things. He said, I will remember your work. Surely I will remember your wonders. And then he goes on and he said, I will also meditate on all of your works. Now notice, that's interesting. He said, I'm going to remember it, but then I'm also going to meditate on it. So meditating is not the same thing as remembering. With memory, we review the past. With meditation, you preview the future. You create an imagination based on God and His Word, based on the promise of God in a situation, based on the fact that no word from God is without power. Now I've got the reason and the right to envision something happening in my life that God has promised, and it's doing that is called meditation. We take God's Word. We apply it to our life and we see ourselves living inside of that rather than continuing to live in the pain or agony or the heartache of whatever else it is. So I will remember selectively. But he said, and I will also meditate on all of your works. It's not just what God's doing elsewhere though. I want to meditate on what God's doing right here. And then the final thing he says in verse 12, he said, I will meditate on all your works and I will talk of your deeds. Suddenly what has been only a thought now becomes voiced and it releases creative power. It's not just in our thinking, but it is in what we say. You see, the whole system that God designed is impacted by words, isn't it? In the beginning, God created. With what? With a word. Let there be light. 
Jesus is what? He is the Word, the expression, the perfect expression of the Father. To see Jesus is to see the Father in action. Jesus is perfect theology. Anything that you believe about God that is not reflected in the life of Jesus is a misunderstanding of the truth. People have all kind of weird ideas about God, but if you don't see it in the life of Jesus, then these ideas are incorrect. Because Jesus is the perfect reflection of the Father. He went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. He didn't go about doing bad. He didn't go about making them sick. He didn't go about making them broke. He went about multiplying and blessing. Anybody that came to him was healed. Anybody that stayed away from him, uh, not, not so much. So you've got to keep this stuff in mind. This is, how, this is how you deal with the conflict, and this is how you take the word that's planted, you nurture it and cause it to grow. Every farmer knows it. Some of you have been farmers. How many of you are farmers in here? Have you been a farmer? Anybody been a farmer? Nobody, no farmers. How many of you wouldn't raise your hand no matter what I ask? It doesn't matter what I ask. You're not going to raise your hand. Anybody? Yeah, I know. It happens. But if you know a farmer, any farmer knows. <laughs> that you put seed in the ground and it grows. All it needs is to be nurtured and taken care of right and leave it in the ground. Don't dig it up and look at it. Don't wonder if it's anything going on down there. wonder if there's any roots in this one. Okay, that one's out. We have to train ourselves. We're, we're heading off into a new season now. A new season where God is revealing himself in a greater way and in a big way. And in spite of the reports that you might be surrounded by, there are big things happening all over the world by the power of God. In spite of all the political unrest and economic crisis that some places are in and some people are in, I'm here to announce to you that these are glorious days and these are the days that the prophets saw into that we would arise and shine and our light has come and the glory of the Lord will be seen. I think Isaiah 60 in that prophetic word on through the next couple of chapters is some of my favorite part of Scripture because it tells the story of what God is up to right now and what He's up to inside of people. That we are rising and shining. Now, if you don't feel all that shiny right now, it's time to get buffed up. and Get the shine back, man. I mean, the light of God is on the inside of us. And whatever's bogging people down, whatever's bogging you down, you're going to have to confront it and deal with it and not let it bog you down. I mean, we've all got excuses and ways of justifying why we can stay depressed. And if you really like that all that much, then have at it. But I'm done with it. I've had all that nonsense in my life that I intend to ever have to deal with. 
Oh, we've all got the reasons. And if you don't have the reasons, just turn on, just turn on any typical news broadcast and in 30 minutes you'll have plenty of reasons to be bogged down and depressed. Or just get into conversation with some of your depressed friends and just jump in with them. Oh, yeah, man, you think that's bad. Did you hear about me? Look at what happened to me. Bam, 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 bam. And, man, it becomes a competition. <laughs> Who's got the greatest reasons for depression and discouragement? I mean, it's been rightly said, and I, I say it many a time. If you are spending more time on that kind of thought and feeding on the news of the day, then your discouragement is self-inflicted. The devil doesn't even need to be involved. He has to jump in later to get credit for your depression. You brought it on yourself. Now look, I'm not saying that to slam you. Well, no, let let me back up. Maybe I need to modify that. Yeah, I am doing that to slam you. Not to hurt you. But sometimes we just need a, a wake-up call. We're going into the seasons now when you're going to have to have your eyes wide open to the spiritual conflict that's going on, to Satan's strategies and attacks against you personally. Because he also knows that to destroy what God has designed is a one-person-at-a-time assignment. This is why he has demonic influences doing their best to discourage you and me and point out anything possible in order to derail us and get us distracted from the real source of strength in our life. Jesus taught it. He said in uh, the Gospel of Mark chapter 4 when he was talking about the sower sowing the seeds of God's Word that one of the things that would happen is some seed is sown into thorny soil or soil that has other things that are growing in it. And he even pointed out there that this is, this is seed that becomes unfruitful. This is soil that has bore fruit before, but now because of the thorns growing, because of other things crowding out and choking off the strength of God's Word, this person, this soil becomes unfruitful. We're going into a time when there's going to be plenty of opportunity to have the wrong seed sown into your soul. I mean, there's nothing new about that. It's been going on your entire Christian life. But now with the the kind of information that we get on an ongoing basis or that you could be getting, it continues to inundate us with all the reasons why we need to be fearful about the days ahead. And yet God's got a whole, different, a whole different take on it. These are the days of an outpouring of the Spirit of God. Days of awakening, which means waking up. Days of coming alive to some things that maybe you haven't been as alive to up till now. So as we come to close out this year, man, this is the time to settle and zero in on your own advancement and what is going to make you fruitful in the days ahead and make you a part of what God is doing worldwide. You were designed for this. Sometimes people don't feel important enough to have a significant role in any of this. 
And that's part of the lie, my friend. If we are important enough, if you individually are important enough for Jesus to give his life for, and you are, then your success and your victories are absolutely vital to the kingdom of God for the overall revelation of Jesus' domination over all the works of the devil. And that is our calling. That's our assignment. So I want to pray some simple things for you today. I believe the anointing of the Holy Spirit has come into this audience for there to be something divine and supernatural happen. So I want you to stand with me, if you would, and, uh, and allow me just to take another m- moment or two here. I know you're not in a hurry. I mean, you, this is Faithway Church. You, you're not in a rush. I expected at least one amen on that. I really did, but that's all right. I'll just amen. That's good, Dennis. I think that was a good point that you brought up. But when when the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord raises up a standard against him. There's something rising up, a rising tide of the victories of Jesus come right now. And I want that to rise up on the inside of you. You, There's people in the audience now. You're being confronted by family issues that are painful and hurtful, and this is a tough time of year for that. Just go ahead and play something just kind of Worshipful, would you please? And I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you a major victory personally. Man, you are, your victory is important to God. This is what Jesus came to do is to transfer everything from darkness and depression and pain and all the different ways that it comes and transfer you over into a real light, joy-filled, gladness of heart, the way Jesus designed life to be lived. And this is a moment. It can happen. This shift can take place in the next few seconds. That doesn't mean every every conflict is solved and every person cooperates suddenly with the Spirit of God, but it means that you have become victorious regardless of what any of them do. So lift your hands before the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for this church and this body of people and for the authority that you have given us in this moment to stand up against every strategy of Satan against us and against this house in the name of Jesus. I release the power of God for there to be healing. Rise up within every single person where you are made whole physically now in Jesus' name. That there is wholeness flooding through you that symptoms have to go. That joint damage is healed. Kidney weakness is healed. Tumors or growths or lumps or bumps that don't belong healed in the name of Jesus. That there is a flood of the anointing of Jesus for whatever the issue is whatever you need in your body in your brain in your soul in your household you know how the power of God is man it it runs in every direction and it is a time for restoration and in a moment in the presence of God 
there is healing to be had. So lay hold on it. Say it out loud in Jesus' name. Nothing is impossible. Every word from God that I receive has the power to fulfill itself. I receive the word of health and healing. I receive the word of restoration for my body, for my family, for my finances in the name of Jesus. And I declare that the days ahead are days of glory, days of power, days of revelation. I receive it in Jesus' name, in me and in my house, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. A shout of praise to God like it is happening in you. That's how it works. This works. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for the authority of your word in this place, for the power of the Holy Spirit in this place, for a revelation of who Jesus is in this place. And we receive, every one of us, as we said, Lord, we receive your word with power that it brings itself to pass right now in the name of the Lord Jesus. We thank you for it all, and we receive it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, would you shout another praise to the Lord? Glory to God. As always, I brought some materials that will be a blessing to you beyond this service. And that's what I expect to have happen is that this service even does more than just happen over these few minutes that we've had together. But man, this thing grows and continues to be a part of what you're doing and meditating on. Amen. But I brought some CD material. Some of you are still using CDs. How many of you are still using CDs? How many? All right, there's a handful of you. Some, some of you still won't raise your hand no matter what I ask you. So I, I, I realize that's... That's, that's what's going on in the house today, but I do have some CD messages. These are also downloadable for those that prefer that at our website. But this is entitled, How to Meditate in God's Word. Real how-to, kind of rubber meets the road, understanding of what it does mean to meditate on God's Word. We just touched on it very briefly here, but I go into a lot of depth. I taught this at the Kenneth Copeland Bible College uh, some months ago now, and uh, we just captured it and want to make it available to people. And uh, God's had me teaching on this. First book I ever wrote was entitled How to Meditate in God's Word. God's had me on this, but it, you know how things are. They just keep uh, coming with more light and more ideas that, that uh, can help you. So it's a dynamite series. I encourage you to get it in. Also, I'll remind you of this book, Vicki's latest book. It's entitled Help. It's dangerous out here. Some of you already got this, I know. But uh, it makes a great gift. It's even colored right for this time of year. It's even perfect for a Christmas gift. All right, that was a, that was a cornball uh, <laughs> attempted humor, but, you know, you just go with whatever you can at this stage. Help, it's dangerous out here. Event after event, many of them in our life or in the life of people we know, the Vicki details here as to how God intervened in just clearly supernatural ways to prevent uh, real disaster, calamity, or even dying. And uh, it's just loaded with faith-building teaching as well as examples of the power of God and how you can receive supernatural protection just like 
we've seen happen ourselves. So take advantage of this. It is just packed. And uh, it'll be a blessing to you. Praise God. I think Terry my story is even in here. We, t- we talked to Terry about it. Made sure he was good with it. And apparently Terry's story, as some of you might be familiar with, of God delivering him uh, from a, a robber. Came to shoot him, actually. Apparently it's been told in a variety of ways. We decided we wanted to make sure from Terry that we were telling it in the right way. Vicki did. So she contacted Terry about that. And any of these stories have been verified. So I encourage you anyway to take advantage of that. Lots of other things on the table to be a blessing to you or to be a gift that you could give to somebody else and sow a seed into their life. Praise the Lord. Are you glad you came today? I want you to shout another praise to the Lord. Amen. Pastor Kelvin, thanks for having me back. Always love it. Thank you. Thank you, Dennis. Did you get a word this morning? It was good, right? It's always so good. I was like Dennis, you know, he's been coming to our church, gosh. I don't even want to try it, like 2001, maybe 2002? Every single year he's been here. Hasn't missed one. So thank you, Dennis, for all your all years of friendship and faithfulness. So this is, a, you know, this is what I like about running with the right people. And now I know why I didn't do it. You know, I said I was going to save some things for next week, but I'll just save a little bit. A lot of things that were said from the worship team, were said from Dennis, were things that I actually wanted to mention briefly because this has been, you know, the last two years have been really strange. We're not going to go through that for all of us. But even this year was stranger in, in a way than when COVID first started. So a lot of us, you know, we went through this. Some loved ones went home. So it was difficult. And we had a, you know, leadership meeting, of, I guess, last month and, you know, reviewing where the church is and some hard decisions we've had to make good hard decisions but next week and I would really encourage you to come back next week if you can't be here make an effort to listen online because we are going to cover some things that are that are significant so for what 2022 what the Lord gave me was these three words you know and it's it's him so that seems really simple well no when God gives you a word it doesn't mean that simple because every single word is going to have its own little things well God's speaking to this church he might be speaking to other things to other churches and that's fine but this church has a mission and has a vision that is unique to this church and guess what happens that's unique to your life because if you consider this your church then you're part of the vision of the church amen so it was basically just three words bigger better and brighter and, and we're going to talk about that but here's the key that i want to say this is when you have to be tuned in the holy spirit so i didn't say one of them one of the one of the scriptures that i was basing on it was isaiah 61 you know and he brought it up and some of the things i want to talk about is based around john chapter one you know and all these things kept coming up through the service and the one i do want to mention is isaiah 9 Verse 2, 
Because really, you know, 2022, and something that Pastor Mel said in Florida, and, and again, most of you know Pastor Mel's, hopefully he'll be here this spring at some point. But, you know, we're not really changing seasons. And I think he, he was right on on this one, Dennis. I don't know if you feel the same way. He says, we're changing eras. You know, the, a season is, you know, he says, but he really believed that the, that the church was not going into a new season, it was going into a new era. And that is a big, that is a whole different concept. And I really believe as, as Faithway, and, you know, Dennis and I had a good conversation on some of these things yesterday, is that we really have to see two things. You know, obviously the heartbeat of God, number one, where is heart, God's heart in all this? And then the other one is, you know, what is all this about? And that is where, where, where it's going to get really interesting because I really see how it's, it'll be some, you know, people don't like change, but there'll be some changes here. Not nothing that's going to be significant enough for you to not want to come. Actually, hopefully you want to come more. But the point of it is, you know, to really find out what this whole thing is about. And it is about one simple thing. And I want to, sh- I want to share that right now and then, and then I'll, I'll get quiet. But let me read Isaiah 9.2. It says, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Now, that is going to be one of the foundations of what Faithway is going to be really trying to, you know, understand what God's trying to get us to do based on that one. Well, if you just go real quick, I want to show you one more and then I'll be done. Go to, to the Gospel of John with what I just read in Isaiah. And let's see if I can bring it up in the, I believe I read it out of New Living. And it really is, you know, a lot of things that, that Dennis talked about today. But there's one thing, you know, you, don't, you never hear anybody preach about this. At least I haven't. I'm sure somebody has. But if you pick up in verse, let's say verse 6, just to bring a little bit of context. He's talking about John the Baptist. I'm not, I'm not going to get preachy on this. But it says, God sent a man, John the Baptist, to tell about the light so that everyone might believe because of his testimony. John himself was not the light. He was simply a witness to tell about the light. Guess what? That's all of us. That's all. That's every one of us. We're not the light, but we are that. Okay, just put that one on the side. But here's what I want you to pick out. The one who is a true light, who gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He came into the very world he created. Pay attention to this, because this is really one of the foundation things that I believe faith weighs. And, and the reason I'm telling you this is I, I want to invite you to get on this journey with us. You know, some of these ladies that are here today, Angie and Yanis and Miriam and Araceli, they would have never dreamed in their minds that they would have been ministering to over 600 kids in Cuba in a communist nation out of a little town called Hebronville. Because those things, those are upper thinking stuff, right? That's, that's, just what, that's what Dennis was meaning. You know, the God angle, the word, the rhema. Okay, watch this. He came into the very world he created, but the world did not recognize him. That is our mission. And that is our only mission. The mission of the church. I mean, as a global, but the mission of Faithway, our job is to get the world to recognize Jesus. In other words, we're not the light, but we're a mirror. And we should be reflecting that. And if we lose sight of that, then we end up with a corporation. If we lose sight of that, we end up with an institution. And if we lose sight of that, at the end of that, we're going to end up with nothing. Because people are tired of all 
the noise of the, the darkness. But when they look at the light, it's very confusing because it's so weird. And it's not about who's got the right truth or whatever. It's just a simple thing, simple, simple truth. Jesus loves me, this I know. That's it. And it's your job to get people to recognize that. And that, that's that one little line that they just jumped out at me. Dennis says, he came into the very world. He created this, but nobody knew who he was. And I think we're living in the same time. You know, he's still here. I love what you said, Dennis. His presence is everywhere. It doesn't matter if you sense it or not. It doesn't matter if you're a believer or not. His presence is everywhere. But it's the, it's the job of the church. You, me, all of us. It's our one job is to help people recognize that there's hope, that there's help, that there's, you know, that there's somebody out there that's on a rescue mission. That's the only job we have. And that's really going to be what, what we're going to, and, and, you know, I'm still working and see what are all the dynamics about all this, but I want you to get that in your spirit because we're going to really push this thing. I want you to think about it. I want you to talk about it. Bigger, better, brighter, bigger, better, brighter, because that's really not only as a church, that's really what God wants in your life. That your life will have increase in every area, except weight. That your life will be better. 2022 will be better than 2021. You know, that, that the things around you are better. Your relationships are better. Your kids are turning out better than the, than the status quo. You know, and those are the things that, that that's the heartbeat because you know what? That's what people will recognize. They don't recognize your church brand. They don't recognize Faithway. They'll say, I want a family like yours. My family's a mess. How come your family is not a mess? Oh, thank you for asking because now I have an opportunity to tell you about bigger, better, and the biggest one is brighter. That that light's going to have to shine stronger because if you read it, a lot of the, even in, in John chapter 1, the contrast is darkness. And guys, come on, you don't have to be that bright right now to, like Dennis said, all you got to do is turn it on. It's on mainstream TV now, the gross darkness. It's not always the darkness, it says gross darkness will cover. But there's a remnant that was compared to the children of Israel that were in the land of Gosha. That when gross darkness will cover the earth, the children of God will rise and shine. And that's what really, I really believe with all my heart, the 2022 is going to be about. So if, so if more darkness comes, don't be afraid. You know, whatever the new virus is, you know, I think they should just use like the Transformers names now, right? They're, out there, they're making like these cool names now, you know, Omnicron. I want that one. Where is it? Is it a Transformer? Does it change shape? You know, no. Don't worry, you know, stuff's going to come down the pipe. If you think this is over, no, the Bible says that we're living at the time that's called the beginning of sorrows. That, that's biblical. When Dennis and I were talking about it yesterday, it was like, all the preachers knew this was coming. We just didn't expect it to show up so quick. We're like, whoa, in two years, this much changed? I thought it would take like 10 years or 20 years. No. So here's my whole thing, and, I'll, and I'm done. Get your heart in a place where you are giving glory to God. And you're giving God the glory in everything. This is not about being holy. It's not about being perfect. It's about being real. And let and in that reality, he will reflect it on you and you will reflect it back. And let's see, you know, and see how exciting your life will become. Amen? All right. 
The last thing I want to do this morning, I do want to honor Dennis and honor the man of God. And so I want you to do this this morning. You know, of course, this church runs on on three things, like I've been saying for a few weeks now. You know, it runs on leadership, it runs on teams, and it runs on resources. You need those three things to have successful ministry. And we're building each one of them. But, you know, like I've always said, the limit of Faithway, of, of the capacity and the ability to be world changers st- stops at the dollar sign. That really is the truth. Because that's really, and, and Dennis knows the same way, his ministry is probably the same way, you know. Really, the vision is huge. And the ability to take the vision is huge. We have the ability to change Cuba. We have the ability to have a lot of influence in Ukraine. We have a lot of ability in Mexico. But again, it's the resources, right? But God never tried to, to here's the thing you got to understand about resources. It was never designed to say, well, you got to give to the church. You got to give to the church. No, God was trying to get you in position Number one, to get all your fears settled out because there's nothing that shuts fear up in your life more than a giving heart. Because the number one reason most people don't give is fear. It's just settling. But when you say, you know what, I don't care how, you know, you can even do it in fear to prove to you and to the devil that you're not afraid of this. But when you, when you see what money is and how it falls into places, it doesn't really have that much influence. I was talking to my daughter about that this week. You know, to, you know money to me is just, you know, it's, an, it's a tool that God gives me that helps me bless people. And I love blessing people, you know. But here's what I want you to understand. God has given you the ability to put yourself wherever you want to on that scale. Because it depends on the seed that you sow. It doesn't depend on anything else. You get me? Do you want to be a world changer in the financial realm? Then sow bigger seeds. You're fine where you're at. You're fine where you're at. You know, it's not about pumping up an offering. I'm just saying you, this is how it works. I can tell you stories, and I'm sure Dennis can tell you stories and stories, and I know H can tell you stories and stories about when it looked like nothing was going to happen financially, but, but because we had taken on a vision before, we could trust the harvest. That makes sense. I mean, everything outside said it's not coming. It's not going to happen. It's not going to work. We're going to go under. But there was faith in that harvest. You say, you know what, God? I've been doing this way too long you not to meet me here but the desire of it was never for me to have more stuff the desire was to get things done and hopefully that's your desire so th- this morning you know pray about your giving pray about your time pray about getting involved on the teams pray about every aspect of what your life is because the last thing you know we'll talk about some of these things next week and even into january is we create community another word you might be more biblical would be we create tribe there's a tribe meaning and it has a lot of characteristics i'm not going to get into that this is your family. This is your tribe. These are the people you can draw on. These are the people you can call and pray for. And at the same time, if we believe our tribe or our brand or whatever you want to call it is worth something, then you should be totally excited about it. Like right now, I get what you're feeling. I get the same feeling. How many of you want to accept Jesus this morning? Because you're like, ah. But anyway, I want you to honor the man of God this morning. You guys know what to do. Information will be on the screen. But also, you know, consider the church. We got a lot going on, a lot moving forward. And in the Christmas season, when you guys are all, including myself, trying to buy gifts for everybody, don't remember the number one person we're celebrating. Imagine if you went to your birthday party and everybody got a gift except you. Happy birthday. How come everybody's got gifts? Well, because it's your birthday. That's why we gave gifts to everybody. That's about as dumb as what Christians do. So don't blow it all on people that don't even like you. Put some of that money into, into the gospel. 
Put some some of that money into the furthering of the ministry because this man travels the world. Put some of that money into building this church up. Put some of that money into your community, which hopefully Faithway is part of your community life. Amen? I'm done. You can put the information up for the giving on the screen. Thank you. Go ahead and stand with me. And if you need an envelope for your giving, I'm not sure we keep changing the directions. Just raise your hand or... Well, we don't see any. They're on the seats. Well, if you need an envelope, raise your hand because the, the, the envelopes are kind of scarce. But I need one. So thank you. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we just thank you for a great day. I thank you, Lord, for everything that, that Dennis has brought us in, in the word. And it really has just encouraged us, Lord, to really think about where we're headed in 2022, that this year with all its different dynamics, God, we're here, we're done. Thank you, Jesus. But Father, we're not going to dwell on what this was or or could have been. We are looking at 2022 to build this thing bigger, better, and brighter, Father. Not, we don't, if Father, if we need change, we'll go with it. Lord, the one mission is that we will be able to reflect your glory into this community that we will be able to reflect your glory into the nation of Cuba and into Mexico or Ukraine or wherever you call us, Lord. That we're just simple mirrors of your glory, Father. And I just bless every person here. And Father, for anyone in this house, anyone online that is watching me, that is dealing with any kind of storm, we command that storm to shut up right now in the name of Jesus. And I speak life over that situation. Whoever that is right now, you take it. I speak life. And what the devil told you would bury you, it will not be... It will be over, listen to me, by the end of the week. And you will, the only thing I'm going to ask you is you, we got to hear the testimony. Because you, you guys know me, I don't go on these tangents. I want to hear, if that's you, I want to say, Pastor, that's the one you prayed for. If you're online watching us, if you're in-house, just text us or let us know because God is moving. And, and, and t- I'm telling you, church, get excited about the works of God. Father, we, we speak covenant protection on Dennis as he heads back up to the Dallas-Fort Worth area, and for all of us at this holiday season, we will be traveling.